marketing etc takes you into topics and trends in business with a marketing view lens. Join your host Tokbe Ayedu, a multicultural and multi-industry marketing and business leader as he dives into his vast and diverse network to go into conversation with thought leaders and experts in business and marketing. Listen to Marketing Etc. on your favorite podcast platform and watch on YouTube. It was the management guru, Peter Drucker, who said marketing encompasses the entire business. It is the whole business seen from the point of view of its final result, that is, from the customer's point of view. This is the philosophy I subscribe to. Today on Marketing Etc. Welcome to Marketing Etc. This is a show where we talk about trends and topics in marketing and business uh, generally. Uh, The slant on this show is that I I talk to people uh, I've had interaction with in the course of my career. uh, just for us to share idea, you know, know what they're doing now, uh, and of course, there's always something for for my viewers, and my audience to, to learn from. Um, and today on the show, uh, we're going to be talking about a very interesting topic in business, uh, uh, which is about diversity and inclusion. Uh, and I've got a very interesting guest. Uh, this is someone I've known now since um, about 2007, uh, Francesca Uriri. Uh, Francesca is the uh, internet communication lead focusing on culture and diversity with Huber uh, in San Francisco. Um, I met Francesca back in 2007 and we worked together when she was an account manager we launched some brands together uh, and, and I really, you know, she's someone I really, you know, love her work ethics and I've followed her, her career journey uh, since then. So I'm not surprised that you are where you are. So Francisca, uh, welcome to welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me and, and you know, well done as well, you know, um, and thank you for like, just like the consistent support, encouragement. You know, sometimes I sit back and I think about, you know, like Nunu Choco Boost and all of that amazing work, you know, that that we did and projects that we worked on, you know, you know, since 2007. And you look back and it's like literally a lifetime. Yeah. Um, you know, and you as well, just looking at what would be like your meteoric rise. Um, and I know that it hasn't been you've been without like its own like challenges, your own story, your own hard work. So thank you for having me. Um, you know, I'm really thrilled to be on, you know, on the show today. Thank you. Thank you for your kind words. So um, we're going to be talking diversity and inclusion, something that you probably know more than uh, most people, including myself. But before we dive into that, just, just talk us through your journey a bit. You know, I, I knew you back in your days and in, in PR, in brand PR, corporate communications, uh, you know, on the client side, I mean, on the agency side, and then on the client side, and boom, you were doing something, you you sort of pivoted into diversity and inclusion. Can you tell my audience a bit about your journey and, you know, what took that 
you from that fledging career in brand and, and corporate comes into uh, yeah. diversity and inclusion? Yeah, so I mean, I think like, the first thing that I would say is that, you know, I think that for a lot of people, they have the, they have like the directions that they want to go. They have like five year plans, 10 year plans, and they follow it accordingly. I didn't have, I've never had such plans. I've never been that sort of person. Even starting out in PR, corporate communications was, I mean, it wasn't an accident, but I knew that, you know, when I graduated, I knew that I didn't want to, I was very clear, you know, I remember telling my father and I was like, I would never go to an office where I have to wear a tie and I have to wear a suit, you know, I would never do that. It takes a lot of boldness to tell the person who paid your school fees that, but so it's, it's really cut off like working in the bank or like oil and gas, which were like the places to work at. Um, but I had done like a little bit of marketing. Uh, and when I say marketing, I pretty much mean like town storming events. I had done a little bit of that when I was like in, still in uni, you know, I had worked with Clairsense, you know, all of those girls you would see like in the stores who would tell you like features of a product and like why you should buy it. So I loved the energy of like talking to people or, or coming up with ideas on how to like market a product or, or make it more appealing. But I didn't know that it was called something, right? Mm. I, I didn't know what it was called. I didn't know what I didn't know what the industry was. I didn't know that there's anything like brand communication. I didn't know there's anything like branding. And you know, just fast long story short, I met a lady who I was like, oh, I read your PR column in this day. And you know, from sound of it, I think I can do PR. And she was like, okay, have you ever done it before? I'm like, no, but I've done this, that, and the other. And from how you write, I can do it. And she was like, well, so I was like, are you hiring? And then she was like, oh, oh, no, I'm not hiring. But then my friend is, and my friend owns a PR agency. So please go see her. So I went, you know, met this wonderful lady who was asking me all these interesting questions. And then she goes, um, so, sh you know, give me a reason why I should hire you. I'm like, I don't have a reason. If you want to hire me, hire me. If you don't want to hire me, don't hire me. Really stupid. Uh, and I didn't realize how stupid that was until I got home. My mother is Yoruba. And I was like, oh, you know, this interview was nice. And this was what I said. And she was like, yeah, move down. <laughs> and I was like, what? And she was like, oh, they saw that. Which means like, you can't say that. I was like, why? She was like, you can't. Like when they ask you that question, what, what they actually mean is like, pitch yourself. I was like, ooh. So I didn't know, right? So I was like, well, okay, next time. Somehow this woman who you, you know, you, you also worked <laughs> with her, Alibata, must have been a very strange person because regardless of that she gave me you know my first start in in, in, in like pr and that's where i learned you know I, I learned like the rudiments of like media relations brand communications events everything you know um and you know that's how i started out and then i sort of of course you know as a creative person you move around different industries but i only have ever done communications i've never had interest you know i know people who start off like comms then they go into hr i never for me it was always clear what i wanted to do and so like even though i moved around different industries oil and gas non-profits whatever i always knew that i wanted to do communications and i stuck to it in terms of pivoting to dni i think that for me was also a personal thing like i looked around and um i realized that you know, there were stories of women being told, but I was just like, I would look at the women and then I would find no connection to them. I mean, they were pretty, they had like nice hair, pearls and high heels, but I'm like, where, where are the stories of women who are like creative like me? Where are the stories of women who are both, you know? So I, I think that like I've always struggled with like 
binary definitions like black and white because for me like they were always they're always like a thousand shades of gray in between mm. and so i kept looking for a platform that would like i would find the stories of these women you know but i didn't so i was like you know what instead of looking for this platform why don't i just build one and that's essentially how lady ladies africa you know my non-profit started you know because i wanted to see more diversity and inclusion especially like with you guys like you know women like women empowerment gender equality and have conversations that were like interesting and inspiring and, and all of that so that's how it started it actually started out for me thinking that there's not enough diversity in this space there's not enough in, you know they're not there's not a wide selection of voices or ideas being included in the conversations and like how can i fix that and that's essentially how it how it happened so i, I don't even really see it as a pivot i see it as like an integration like you get to a, a place in your life and 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 there's a need that arises and instead of looking out for something or someone to fix it if you can like go yeah, ahead and fix it yourself. yes yeah. yeah and that's how it was for me yeah and today you are today you are now you are now with um uh a very global company uh disruptive you know disruptive <laughs> one uh huba yeah. uh that everyone knows about and and you know and you know but for for the purpose of our audience let's let's break it down what's diversity what's inclusion again like i i try to shy away from because like if you google it there, there's obviously like definitions right but i always try to shy away from that because i think that even though it's great to be able to um define what diversity is and what inclusion is it also does the thing of putting boxes which i don't like so i always just try to explain what it means to me and what i think people how how i think people can apply it diversity is simply for me celebrating difference yeah. realizing and celebrating difference whether that's difference in opinion whether that's difference in skin color race religion sexuality whatever it is experiences allowing for that difference to, to you know to happen and then inclusion is creating sustainable ways where that diversity can thrive so it's a diff- you know so you know I always give the example of it's like saying you know i mean we're going to go deep into this as we go like people who say like oh i don't see color I don't understand what that means because like <laughs> the world is we are multifaceted. Yeah. So it's like me saying, you know, I don't understand people who, you know, I don't I don't understand you but you don't have to understand it for it like whether you understand it or not, it exists. So inclusion is creating a space where all of this diversity can thrive yeah. without feeling threatened. So in what might be like an idealistic way or a utopia, yeah. the differences that we all are and the differences that we all have we can inclusion is creating a space or a platform or an atmosphere for for all of that to thrive um yeah so that's that's how i see it and that's how i think that we can encourage um people to you know to 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 look at it yeah Yeah. No, no, I and and I kind of uh, I'm aligned with you on that because that's that's how I believe it is as well. Uh uh diversity acknowledges that people are unique, they are different. Inclusion fosters that sense of belonging. That different yeah. people actually you 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 get the energy and the benefit out of these differences and you know but you know in business places it's really now about for the purpose of the business. It, it's it's really 
you've got this huge workforce, very different, you know, mm-hmm. but then the business will only thrive if you are mm-hmm. able to unnest these differences and mm-hmm. make something um, out of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Which leads me to the question of when we look at it sometimes, um, there's a perspective that stems out like um, the place for diversity and inclusion will negate the place of meritocracy um, and it's more akin to uh, redressing wrongs or having a sort of affirmative action, if I want to put it that way. Uh, how, how, how will you respond to that if you look at, you know, you, you're running this now. How will you respond to that? Uh, you know, the, the, if we're having like a personal conversation and, and people are not privy to it, there's just one word that we use to just like describe that and, and say, um, you know, I don't agree with that at all because I think that, you see, the, the people... The only people who say that, or majority of the people who say that, that you know, you know, it's it's not, you know, you will foster, you know, it's, it's not going to be meritocracy. Are people who've um, historically benefited from not having it. Mm-hmm. So until you begin to have minorities who say that, or people who are, I don't want to use the word disadvantaged, but people who haven't always been in the driving driving seat of conversations, whether they are, you know, whether it's based on race, gender, whatever it is, until those people can say that, um, then, um, you know, then we can have that conversation. But here's, here's how I see it. I think that until you flood those spaces, until until you populate those spaces with the people who have historically been disadvantaged, until you know you create spaces for those people to tra- to thrive, you know those people, those groups, you know those genders, whatever, until you flooded those spaces, then we can come back and say. Um, it only has to be, you know, I'm not averse to meritocracy. I think it's absolutely important. But I think that it's also facetious when people say that because there's the assumption um, that the minorities are not qualified, which in itself is a fallacy in itself. So do the work of, that's how I see it. Do the work of flooding the spaces um, because you're not going to put unqualified people anyway. And like, the idea of also like tokenism. I, for example, I'm internal comms lead at you know at Uber, a global company. I'm, I may be a black woman, I may be African, but trust me, I know my work. And um, and I think that they hired me. I think they hired me because of competence, you know. So I think that the, the issue of meritocracy, while it's important, it's not the thrust of what it is, and it's people who have always been in places of authority and power that are quick to chat, you know, to, to chant that. That's how I feel, anyway. Okay, that, that's interesting, uh, uh, Francesca, you know, because it takes me straight into uh, uh, the area of change management in, in an organization. Um, when you, whatever you do, as far as change management is concerned, uh, there will be certain levels and levers in in, in in organization that you need to address. So whether it's about D uh, and I, diversity and in inclusion, 
or you know a new HR practice or whatever it is, you will need to ensure that you know you touch on the systemic, the the, the cultural and the behavioral levels, right? So it it can flow through the organization. I give an example. You know, I I worked for an organization uh, some some years back. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know uh, a global organization uh, uh, you know and and the head of the african region it was mm-hmm. someone who was quite passionate about africa who was quite mm-hmm. passionate about diversity and inclusion to the point that you know he, he he said look africa operation must be led by africans and and he sort of put that in place the reason why the hq was in london to attend mm-hmm. uh, uh, to attract the the, the you know the pool of Africa in diaspora uh, mm-hmm. to the organization you know which was fine but mm-hmm. I, I I felt that that thought didn't distill through the different levers you, you know what's your view when it comes to uh, um, implementing the strategy of diversity and inclusion in any yeah. organization and how is how will you do it yeah i think that the first thing that i would say first of all is that it is difficult <laughs> it is one of the i mean just because i work with the people team very closely i'm very very involved with you know transformational change projects it's the most difficult thing to do and you know like you rightly said you know, their primary levers that you want to push that through, systemic, behavioral, and cultural. And I always like to put everything on that culture because I feel like culture is such, is this nebulous thing that people are like, okay, what is culture? Is it the way people dress? Is it the way people think? Is it the way people behave? It's everything. I think that everything is cultural. If you have culture that is faulty or that is, you know, I think like it's for those who are Christian, it says that if the, if the foundations be something, something, what can the righteous do? If the foundation is faulty, and I, you know, I'll give an example. Obviously, I work with a company that hasn't always, you know, had this historical culture of being inclusive, of being kind, of being empathetic, and you find that you know there are good people. But the first thing that I think, you know, in doing things like that is you should look at the leaders. Mm-hmm. Look at the leaders in an organization. Mm-hmm. The leaders in a, an organization and how they behave mm-hmm. and how they embrace change tells you a lot about whether that company is going to go forward. So to your point, you had somebody who was in Africa trying to institute these changes. But I'm sure other people were just like, oh, well, that's cute. Yeah. Please, let us remain in Africa. Yeah. We're not going to scale this up. So it means that the leadership was not invested in doing what was required, mm. you know, to make the changes. So for me, the first thing, and, it, and this is why I say it's difficult, because how do you, you know, accept something really bad happens? How do you fire a CEO? How do you fire the whole executive leadership team? How do you, I've seen situations where the chief people officer or the chief HR officer is the problem of the organization. And that person is supposed to be the custodian of the culture. So leadership is very crucial. Leadership that is li- that listens. Leadership leadership that is willing to make the difficult changes, 
again, we have a lot of leaders who say, okay, this is going to affect our stock. This is, you know, we've, all, we've all, all, always done this, you know, for like 50 years. They're not ready to move. They're not willing to change. Yeah. So leadership, I think that, I'm sorry, I just keep harping on that. I think that if you do not have leadership, that is truly not this um, Black Lives Matter stickers on everywhere in the company, but people who are truly invested in saying, how do my, you know, let's listen to our minorities. How do we make this workforce more inclusive? How do we make, you know, I remember when I joined Uber, we, you know, they, they took me out for dinner. And when they took me out for dinner, like welcome dinner, I noticed that everybody, they were talking about uh, like a cartoon they used to watch when they were younger here. And all of them knew what they were talking about. Like, oh my God, do you remember it was, in the, it was popular in the 80s? And then it just occurred to somebody. And, and I could see the moment it occurred to her. Like, oh my God. So I was just looking. And she was like, oh my God, you know, I said, no, you know, because I, I mean, I know the cat, I, I mean, I used to watch Kiddy Vision 101, but I'm sure you don't know about it too. So, and it's, it's things that are small yeah. as that. Yeah. To, Difference. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, so I think leadership, if you do not have leadership who, who, who yeah. are really, really committed to doing that transformational change, it will always be surface yeah. and it will never trickle down. And that's why you find a lot of people push back and say, we think these changes are cosmetic. We think that, you know, the company or the organization doesn't truly mean this because they haven't done, because it's a lot of work. You have to dismantle systemic structures yeah. and, yeah. you know, yeah. start all over again. And most, most people will just like, I beg, it's too much of halal, but I'm not going to do it. So, so I think leadership plays a huge role because it sets the tone, um, you know, and they, they help galvanize action, they reward, you know, they reward participation. A lot of people look to them, you know, for direction. And without that, it's just, I don't just see how, you know, it's, it's going to work. So my approach would be, I don't know if it's my approach, but just ensuring that leadership is aligned with the vision and that they can help galvanize it. Without that, it's, um, there's a Yoruba proverb, we are pouring the water in the basket. It's mm. not going to, yeah. <laughs> It's a wrap on this edition of Marketing Etc. Remember to subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and on YouTube to be notified of new editions as they come on.